UAPs. Let's call them what they are. UFOs. They have been seen all throughout history. These unidentified flying objects have been documented in ancient cave drawings, medieval paintings, and even mentioned in religious texts. These sightings of UFOs continue to this day, with countless reports from credible witnesses and even video evidence capturing their presence in our skies. Countless whistleblowers have come forth throughout the years. Some of them were simply discredited. Others had a more deadly fate. However, the push for UFO disclosure hasn't stopped, and these three recent individuals have come forth with their own compelling stories. These individuals, armed with credible evidence and first-hand accounts, have reignited the public's curiosity and demand for transparency regarding UFOs. As their story gains traction, it becomes increasingly difficult for skeptics to dismiss the possibility of extraterrestrial visitation, fueling the urgency for a comprehensive UFO disclosure. First, we will dive into the congressional hearing. Then, I will tell you a story, a UFO story, that you've never heard before. Subcommittee hearing on unidentified anomalous phenomena, or UAPs, will come to order. Mr. Chairman, uh, ranking members and congressmen, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is an important issue, and I'm grateful for your time. My name is David Charles Grush. Talking to Congress was David Grush, Mr. Graves, and retired Commander David Fravor. Now, out of the three people talking, the one you've probably heard before is David Fravor. He was being pushed around in the media by Jeremy Corbell. The other one you might have heard of was Mr. Graves, as he also has quite a famous UFO story attached to it, though I won't be talking about that today. The one you haven't heard before is David Grush, but the congressional hearing started with Mr. Graves, and I will go in order of this congressional hearing that took place over the period of two and a half hours. A former Foxtrot pilot in the esteemed Navy Fighter Attack Squadron 11, also known as the Red Rippers, opened the session by shedding light on a critical point. Since the year 2021, all UAPs, that's Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, videos have been designated as classified information categorized as secret or higher. The proceedings then transitioned to David Grush, whose insight provided an invaluable perspective. David Charles Grush proudly served as an intelligence officer for 14 years, encompassing various roles within the U.S. Air Force, including active duty, Air National Guard, and Reserve, where he attained the rank of Major. Additionally, from 2021 to 2023, he worked at the NGA, 
you might be asking, what is the NGA? Well, that's the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. Now, he was there at a GS-15 civilian level, which he said was equivalent to a full bird colonel in the military. Now, you're also asking, what is actually the NGA? Well, it is a combat support agency within the United States Department of Defense. Now, their mission is primarily collecting data, analyzing, and distribution in support of national security. During his tenure at NGA, he held a significant role as co-lead in analyzing unidentified anomalous phenomena and transmedium objects occurrences. He also contributed to the UAP task force, the UAPTF, and later became part of a newly established All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or ARO. His involvement in these areas led him to a pivotal moment where he chose to blow the whistle on hidden practices by submitting an urgent concern filing. As per Presidential Policy Directive 19 or PPD 19 to the Inspector General in May 2022. His motivation for taking action stemmed from credible reports from current and former military and intelligence community individuals, indicating that the US government was operating with a level of security that exceeded congressional oversight in relation to UAPs. They stand as a witness based on information provided by individuals with an unbellished history of service and credibility who shared compelling evidence in the form of photographs, official documents, and classified oral testimony over the span of four years. Throughout his tenure with the UAPTF, he meticulously collaborated on the evidence and thoroughly vetted the individuals providing it. Their actions are propelled by a committed to truth, transparency, and the obligation to uphold the United States Constitution while safeguarding the American people. Grush pleads to Congress to hold the government accountable and initiate a comprehensive investigation into these claims. In 2019, Grush was tasked with identifying special access programs, SAPs, and controlled access programs, CAPs, to fulfill their congressional mandate mission. Due to their extensive executive level intelligence support duties, they had unparalleled access to relevant compartments. However, their request for additional access was denied. Grush took the decision to report the data to their superiors and multiple inspector generals, becoming a whistleblower. The aftermath included facing retaliation for his choice, but he remained optimistic and their actions will contribute to increased transparency and accountability. Then next to speak was David Fravor, a distinguished retired commander of the United States Navy. He held the distinguished role of commanding officer within the renowned Strike Fighter Squadron 41, famously referred to as the Black Aces. Fravor recounted an intriguing account of encounters with an object in 2004, situated off the coast of San Diego, California. These inexplicable objects defied convention by descending rapidly from altitudes surpassing 80,000 feet, lingering at 20,000 feet for extended periods, and subsequently soaring vertically upwards. He underscored that the altitude above 80,000 feet is essentially space itself. 
As the congressional hearing approached its 50-minute mark, Mr. Garcia, a prominent member of Congress, posed a direct question to Grush. Did he hold the belief that the government is in possession of these UAPs? In response, Grush's assertion carried conviction as he confirmed his belief. Based on a comprehensive array of interviews conducted over four years with more than 40 credible witnesses, each of whom divulged the exact locations where these perplexing phenomenons were occurring. At around the 1 hour and 59 minute mark, Miss Mace, another Congress member, presented a thought-provoking question to Grush. She delved into the realm of crashed UAPs and their associated pilots, questioning whether the government possessed physical evidence of these forms of crafts and their pilots. Grush's response resonated within the gravity of the matter. He referred to a previously publicized interview with News Nation, wherein he openly acknowledged the existence of non-human biologics associated with certain UAP recoveries in a crash retrieval program. But Grush's statement was far more than mysterious sightings. According to the witnesses, the U.S. military and even the Vatican had known about these crashed UAPs for decades and has long been working on reverse engineering them. Furthermore, the government recovered non-human biologics and has been aware of non-human activity since the 1930s. Now, this hearing was on July 26, 2023, and it was quite the event. The purpose of this congressional hearing was for transparency, and a safe program for military and non-military pilots to report UAPs. Again, I can't emphasize this enough, this was indeed a historical moment. I am keeping an eye on any further interviews. There is supposed to be another hearing in September, so I will update you when that happens. But now, let's transition into an obscure UFO retrieval story. I doubt you've heard of this story. It's not well publicized, so let's get into it. You're listening to Bizarre Conspiracies Podcast, right here on Spotify. On April 25th, 2001, Art Bell featured a guest named Deke Richards. Of course, on his popular radio talk show, Coast Coast I received a three-page fax from a man named Deke Richards, an absolutely riveting fax detailing a crash and a retrieval in Germany. It was Deke's second appearance on the show. During the interview, Deke recounted his story of witnessing a UFO crash and subsequent retrieval while he was serving in the military in Germany. At the beginning of the program, Deke initiates by answering simple questions about his background. When asked about his place of origin, he simply replied, Maine, and shares that he joined the military in 1979, starting his boot camp at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. During his training, he specialized in recovery and held the military rank of E6, a staff sergeant. Deke served a total of 10 years in the military from December 1979 to April 1984 he was stationed in Germany specifically Bombholder his initial assignment led him to Bombholder where he served with the 29th Supply and Service Company 
Now, Deke recalls an incident during a reforger exercise when the 29th Supply and Service Company was assigned to support the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment. That's the 11th ACR. They were tasked with patrolling a one-kilometer zone, which Deke describes as no man's land. He believes the incident occurred around 6 a.m., as he vividly remembers being in a tent when a loud bang shook the ground beneath him, and within minutes, a sergeant approached him and instructed him to see the CO, that's the commanding officer. Upon entering the CO's tent, Deke observed the CO engaged in a phone call with, at the time, unknown people. After hanging up the call, the CO instructed Deke to prepare the wrecker vehicle and stand by. Soon after, the 48th Maintenance Wreckers arrived alongside two jeeps towing a D7 bulldozer from the 93rd Engineers. Additionally, two helicopters flew in, and Deke witnessed individuals in army fatigues descending from one of the helicopters. Now, notably, Deke points out at the time they hadn't transitioned to the BDUs, that's the battle dress uniform and were still wearing the traditional straight-style fatigues. He further notices that the particular aspect about the newcomers was the absence of any insignia or markings, indicating any affiliation with the United States the Army. The thing about these people was is that they had no insignia, no U.S. Army, no U.S. Air, nothing on their suits at all. Yeah, that's really weird. An officer from the first helicopter approached Deke and instructed him to follow. They boarded a jeep and began trailing a path leading to the crash site. Now, Deke recalls it taking approximately 30 minutes to reach the area, where he noticed the presence of towering trees, raging from 50 to 60 feet tall, that had been completely uprooted, cut down, even some of them severed in half. Well, as they approached the crash site, they used the gas mask, and what came into view was an object partially buried in the ground, protruding from the soil. Now, he describes its material appearing to be like stainless steel. According to him, they loaded it onto a flatbed, measuring 60 feet in length. He described the shape of the object as resembling an oval triangle. Now, during the conversation, Art Bell inquired about the number of people present at the crash site, and Deke stating that there were a total of 20 people, and that was including himself. It was at this point that Deke shared the most intriguing detail. That's when we saw the bodies. That's when we saw the bodies. The bodies were located exclusively on the left side of the craft. It seemed as if they were attempting to exit the craft, but suddenly collapsed, lifeless. Additionally, a pungent smell of ammonia emanated from their bodies. Deke mentioned that the furthest body was approximately 35 to 40 feet away, while the closest one was about 5 feet from the craft. In total, there were 5 bodies recovered from the crash site. It was at this point that a team specializing in radiation arrived to examine the area for any signs of radiation. Once completed, they were given the permission to remove their gas masks. Now, Arbel questioned Deke about the people without insignias. Deke clarified that they were the ones in command, issuing orders and inspecting the craft. Deke proceeded to mention that the official news release was a crash of an F-4 aircraft. Now, curious about the appearance of the bodies, Art asked Deke for a description. 
Deke described the bodies as having a gray color, small in stature, and large heads that, to him, resembled pumpkins. They possessed thin, elongated fingers, and were dressed in black suits, like leotard-type suits. He further noticed the presence of a strange backwards writing on one of the bodies, unlike anything he had ever seen before. Once they began loading the bodies, they decided to place them on ice. It was at this point that Deke returned to the craft to assist it loading it onto a flatbed. The loading procedure involved placing slings beneath the craft, allowing them to tilt it to one side temporarily, creating enough space to slide the flatbed underneath the craft. During this operation, Deke noticed a small section of the craft that had broken off upon impact, revealing what he described as the engine room. Deke told Arbel that there were people on top of the craft attempting to remove the dirt from its surface. Strangely, whenever someone tried to strike the craft with a pole or something heavy they could dent it, it would somehow reshape itself, causing the dent to disappear. Once the area was cleared of debris, they finally loaded the craft onto the flatbed. Now, to conceal its true shape, Deke mentioned that they constructed a wooden frame around the craft and covered it with a tarp, making it appear like something other than a spacecraft. This disguise allowed them to transport it along the highway without arousing suspicion. As the show came to a close, Deke didn't remember the exact day this crash happened. The only date he gives Arbel is late September during a reforger in 1982. Now, the only thing I could find online is Reforger 82 Carbine Fortress in September 1982. A Reforger magazine came up, but in German, so I couldn't translate it. The last thing I found was a Reddit post. In a post titled, Help Me ID This 90s Episode, in the Artbell subreddit, this user was asking help to ID an Artbell episode about a similar UFO crash. But if you look in the comments, the user... Nunyav Q mentions that Deke Richards was outed as a fraud by Linda Moulton Howe. Now, Linda Moulton Howe has been a longtime guest and friend of Art Bell, frequently appearing on the Art Bell radio show. But because the story Deke Richards told Art Bell and everybody listening that night was so full of detailed information that it even impressed Art Bell himself, that I start to wonder maybe he was discredited. As you've heard earlier in this episode about UAPs in the congressional hearing, obviously the government doesn't want you to know about these stories, and they made damn sure that any military pilots, military associates, or even non-military civilians would have a hard time reporting these in an appropriate program. It truly makes you wonder. Now, as I said, this story presented a great narrative filled with rich detail, and the interview with Deke Richards was truly amazing. But was it true? Was he discredited? Feel free to send me your thoughts. And I suppose that will conclude today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. 
Again, thank you for listening. And as always, I will catch you in the next episode.